This episode is brought to you by Shopify. Whether you're selling a little or a lot, Shopify helps you do your thing, however you cha-ching. From the launch your online shop stage, all the way to the we just hit a million orders stage. No matter what stage you're in, Shopify's there to help you grow. Sign up for a $1 per month trial period at shopify.com slash special offer, all lowercase. That's shopify.com slash special offer. Say goodbye to your credit card rewards. Greedy corporate mega stores, led by Walmart and Target are pushing for a law in Congress to take away your hard-earned cash back and travel points to line their pockets. The Durbin Marshall credit card bill would enact harmful credit card routing mandates that would end credit card rewards as we know it. If you love your credit card rewards, tell your lawmakers, hands off my rewards. Tell them to oppose the Durbin Marshall credit card bill. Election College, episode 127, Stephen Douglas. Let's throw a political party. Face it, the political scene sucks, but did it always? It's time for Election College, and class is in session. Now, your hosts... Jason Goff and Ben Smith. Ben, we've been talking, or at least hearing, a lot about debates. And invariably, whenever you hear the word debate and American politics, you think of the Lincoln-Douglas debates, which actually wasn't a presidential debate, but very much a philosophical series of debates back in 1858. So we know a lot about Lincoln, right? Yeah, I mean, he's a president, so we're obviously experts. Yeah, of course. Yeah. So what about that other guy, (laughs) Stephen (laughs) Douglas? Who in the world was he? Well, that's what we're here for. Yeah, and we'll talk about their debates, you know, later on. But uh, first, we're going to talk about the man, Stephen Douglas. Uh, he was born in Brandon, Vermont, and uh, his father was a doctor, and he also went to Middlebury College. And when Stephen was just a few months old, his father dies. So he's raised by his mother and uh, actually his uncle, and you know, kind of just educated in local schools. Nothing special. He's not a not a super genius, or if he is, he's not treated as one. I suppose you could say. And uh, you know, he also didn't have any prestigious upbringing. Yeah, so by the time he's a teenager, he goes and does a cabinet-making apprenticeship over there in Vermont, and his mom remarries in 1830, and the family picks up and moves to western New York. And Douglas goes to school. He really would have liked to have stayed in Vermont and gone to Middlebury College like his dad, but his family couldn't support this formal education. So he started teaching school while he was studying law. And he gets friendly with a guy named Harry B. Payne, who was another law student. And Payne becomes a prominent businessman and politician in Cleveland and ends up being a big supporter of Douglas later on in life. 
Yeah, so Douglas actually goes in 1933 to Cleveland, and then he moves to Illinois, and he became a teacher for a while, and he actually opens up a school for $3 per pupil, and uh, he goes then to Jacksonville, Illinois, uh, where he just totally abandons teaching and gets admitted to the bar. <laughs> uh, in a few, a little while later, he actually wrote to some of his relatives, I have become a Western man, have imbibed Western feelings, principles, and interests, and have selected Illinois as the favorite place of my adoption. So he basically says, I'm not coming back and you can't make me. Uh, while he's out there, he actually uh, dates Mary Todd, who you know ends up marrying Abraham Lincoln. That's way in the future, and uh, becomes a member of the Masons in Illinois there in Springfield, and actually is one of the more influential Masons at the time. Yeah. So when you don't have a lot of money, what do you do? You marry the daughter of a wealthy guy. So in March of 1847, he marries Martha Martin. She's 21 years old. She's got a dad named Colonel Robert Martin from North Carolina. A year after they're married, her father dies and bequeaths a 2,500-acre cotton plantation with 100 slaves down in Mississippi. So Colonel Martin had appointed Douglas as the property manager, but Douglas was a senator in Illinois, and Douglas was already thinking, hey, I want to be president someday. So Douglas was like, I don't know about having this southern <laughs> plantation with 100 slaves when I am a senator with presidential aspirations in a free state. So what he does is he hires a manager to operate the plantation, and he uses his allocated 20% of the income that he makes to advance his political career. I do find that a little humorous. He's against um <laughs> he's against slavery or at least not a not a thinking it would be good for his political career, but he doesn't have any problem using the money from the plantation for his own gain. So, well, whatever. Yeah. Yeah, no big deal. Uh, he, he pretty much only, uh, went to Mississippi one time and then, you know, on purpose at least. And then if there was an emergency or something after that, he would go there, but they moved from Springfield up to Chicago in 1847 and they have a few kids and his wife, Martha died in 1853, um, after they had their third child who was a daughter. And then a few weeks later, um, the daughter dies as well. So you can imagine Douglas and his two sons were pretty distraught about everything. Uh, in 1856, he does marry another time. He marries Adele Cutts. She's 20 years old, and she is from the South. And she's actually the daughter of the nephew of President James Madison. So, you know, just a few steps removed there. Uh, her great aunt was Dolly Madison, of course, as well. So in 1858, she has a miscarriage and becomes very ill. And then the following year, she does give birth to a daughter who only lived a few weeks. And you can imagine what kind of harm that would have done to her body. And she was left very weak. So back to Douglas. He was appointed as the state's attorney of Morgan County, Illinois, in 1834. And he served there for a couple of years. And he becomes a leader. Uh, for the Illinois Democrats. 
He was elected to the Illinois House of Representatives and was appointed as register of the Springfield Land Office. He becomes the Illinois State Secretary of State. And at 27 years old, he's appointed as an Associate Justice of the Illinois Supreme Court. Yeah, already quite a resume there. Yeah. So he resigns uh, from the court after being elected as a U.S. representative in 1843, gets reelected in 1844, and he is all about expanding the United States of America. He's all about the Mexican War, and by the time 1846 rolls around, he becomes a senator, a U.S. senator. Yeah, he, he's a huge guy as far as compromise goes. You're never going to have a discussion with Douglas where he doesn't at least say, well, let's figure out a way we can work together. Uh, Henry Clay is a big, um, he's a big proponent of Henry Clay. He likes all his proposals. Uh, Clay is obviously a different, I mean, he's a different political party than Douglas is, but they still can get along because they understood what compromise was. And in fact, the compromise of 1850, the, the big bill, um, it gets defeated and Douglas steps in. He says, okay, we're going to divide this compromise up into multiple separate bills. And, you know, you guys are stupid because you each want to pass each of these separate bills, but you don't want to come together and pass this whole thing together. So they get together, make sure that everything goes through and they're good at compromise. Essentially he, you know, at this point, he's kind of like becoming a national leader for the Democrats. He uh, wants to be president in 1852. He's in the, the nomination pool, but they actually instead pick Franklin Pearson. Well, we all know who that works out. Yeah. So he is reelected to the Senate in 1853, and he is all about getting that railroad, that crazy railroad, <laughs> going even further. So he's like, let's go north, let's go south, let's have rail from Chicago to the Gulf of Mexico, let's really improve the economy of our nation by expanding the railroads. And so Douglas owns a lot of land in Chicago, and that really served those interests well because, well, if you have rail from Chicago all the way to the Gulf of Mexico, that's going to that's going to put some coin in the pocket. We'll just put it that way. Right. So he did become known for his desire to have a true democracy. He was known for saying, let the people rule. And he always thought that people needed to govern their local area. So that's how he got around all of the slavery stuff. He's like, home rule type guy where, you know, Hey, in the South slavery, sure. If the people want it, then they can have it up North. They don't want it. They don't have to have it. So you remember the Kansas Nebraska act in 1854. I mean, probably not, probably weren't alive during the time, but, uh, (laughs) Douglas is all about this Kansas Nebraska, Nebraska act in 1854. And basically the, um, the point of it was that, Congress needs to make sure that all the territories are organized and uh, the region is settled. We've also got the Missouri Compromise that's in place. And, you know, the Missouri Compromise says you can't have slavery there because it is north of the magic slavery line, um, whatever that 
is. Uh, they settled that back in 1850. We don't need to worry about it right now. So there's, you know, there's this idea of the transcontinental railroad to California. Uh, there's the idea of having a southern route from New Orleans. There's another one for a central route. And Douglas, remember, he owns that Chicago real estate. He's like, um, I could really use some money, so I'm gonna, I'm gonna say I like that one. Um, uh, southern leaders, you know, they're they're of course going to do things that are best for their uh, interests. They say, okay, look, we'll do the central route, the central route, <laughs> if uh, you let slavery happen and anything that's new. And Douglas is like, okay, sure, that's fine. Anything that's new, I don't care about. Yeah. So Douglas is like, okay, home rule territories. You can choose whether you're going to be a slave or a free state when you come into the union. But the Southerners were like, uh, no, we want immediate permission for slavery, which that all comes out of the compromise from 1850. And Douglas discovers a, quote, clerical error and revises this act to suit that. So this was not very popular up north. (laughs) And as a matter of fact, Douglas was, he would joke saying that he could go from Washington back to Illinois by the light of burning effigies of him. Yeah, so, you know, an effigy, by the way, is like a a fake... um representation of you so uh they, they would oftentimes light them in, in, on fire and protest so if he's saying he could travel that way it means a lot of people are basically burning dummies of him and uh that, that's not a position you want to be in as a politician um but you know he wins over a lot of critics because he's a smooth talker and he has some fair points and at the time and he says Look, it's popular sovereignty, okay? If the if the people of the community um, decide something, who are you to say that they shouldn't be allowed to have that thing in their community? Uh, you know, this is this is a very non-current day uh, idea. <laughs> this is not something that we would see part of the Democratic Party saying now, or the Republican Party for that matter either, anymore. Um, he basically says, though, like, let let people decide what they want to do, basically saying they voted for slavery. Let them have their slavery. Yeah. And this argument had been brought up before. Right. I mean, with the whole state's rights or having a strong federal government, where are you going to stand on the issues? Well, Douglas used this argument saying, well, popular sovereignty, that is consistent with the way American values are and that you should be able to determine how your local laws are going to be. So instead of, you know, going to war or having any issues with this whole issue of slavery, he he's pretty slick. He gets some support up north and um he does all right. However, you've got these people called the free soil party. You've got anti-slavery northerners. They're like, oh, we don't buy that. So what happens is there's this guy, his name is Abraham Lincoln. And uh, he's also from Illinois. And he takes exception to some of the things that Douglas is saying. 
Yeah, I guess you could probably say exception would be a good way to put it. Yeah. <laughs> well, you know, long story short, Douglas doesn't have a lot to do with the final text of the uh, the act that gets passed. He's there when the Whig Party dissolves. He's there when the uh, anti-slavery Northern Whigs turn into the Republican Party. Um, he, you know, he sees a lot of the Free Soil Democrats go over to the Republican Party as well. And there is uh, an election in Illinois in 1855 for the Senate. And they nominate or elect, I guess you could say, Lyman Trumbull, who is basically like the antithesis to Douglas. He is the guy that they are coming at and saying, um, yeah, we don't want Douglas. We don't want anybody like Douglas. So we're going to prove that by nominating Trumbull or electing Trumbull, I guess you could say. Yeah. So in 1857, big Supreme Court case, Dred Scott, and we all remember that decision. It says that neither Congress nor a territorial legislature has the power to prohibit slavery in a territory. And this strikes down, well, the Missouri Compromise, the 1850 Compromise, makes the Kansas-Nebraska Act irrelevant, and the whole idea of popular sovereignty gets thrown out. So pro-slavery Southerners are like, hey, Douglas, you're great. We like you. And you had this group of pro-slavery fire eaters. They were like, you are horrible because (laughs) you're not supporting any restrictions at all. And the Northerners are like, listen, we we don't like you anymore. (laughs) We're turning into Republicans. Yeah. Well, so Douglas has this this you know this confliction, or I don't even know if that's a real word. This uh, <laughs> this problem, where if he says, "Okay, I reject the Dred Scott decision," all the Southerners who support him and want him to be the president, he's going to lose them. And if, on the other hand, if he says Dred Scott, way to go, all right, all the Northerners who support him and want him to be president, he loses them. So he's like trying to not take sides one way or the other and he's like okay yeah like i think it's an okay idea but also you know popular sovereignty is is still a good thing too and well it, it doesn't it doesn't go great like nobody is really on his side then he's also noted for when james buchanan the president at the time said that you know kansas should be brought into the union as a slave state um you know all the all the anti-slavery people, especially in Kansas, say, no, um, we we don't want that. And Douglas is like, look, Buchanan, I like you and all, but I don't like you. (laughs) (laughs) We're not friends anymore. This is not the way things are going to go. And so, you know, people are in the in the north, especially are praising him for this. It's really important uh, that he gets uh, some traction because his Senate term is over in 1859. And of course, like every good or bad politician he wants to be reelected to his to his seat yeah so remember late 1850s democratic party it's fractured between north and south then you've actually got fractures between southerners you have factions between northerners and that's what we find ourselves with with that douglas 
supporters and supporters of Buchanan. So very touchy situation, especially when it comes to winning re-election as a senator. So that puts us in 1858, where the Illinois legislature, who at the time, the law was that the U.S. senator was elected from the legislature, has the opportunity to choose Douglas or a Republican challenger. And that's what we'll be talking about in the next episode of Election College. Yeah. Hint or spoiler or something, you're going to see Lincoln um, in this next episode again. So, cool. Everybody, everybody likes to hear about Lincoln, Jason. That's I know. You have to tease it with something. Yeah. yeah. Lincoln. Lincoln. Next time. <laughs> if you have enjoyed Election College ever, or even just tolerate us, uh, we would love a review from you. It would be fantastic to hear what you think of the show. Uh, iTunes is a fantastic place to do that. If you want to just send it to us in an email, you're welcome to do that too. But even if you don't have iTunes, go over there and sign up for an account or something. Just leave your your buddies Ben and Jason a review. Yeah, and we'd love to interact with you over on social media. We are on Twitter, Instagram, and Facebook at Election College. Thanks, everybody. We will see you next episode to talk about the Lincoln-Douglas debates. This is the story of the one. As head of maintenance at a concert hall, he knows the show must always go on. That's why he works behind the scenes, ensuring every light is working, the HVAC is humming, and his facility shines. With Granger's supplies and solutions for every challenge he faces, plus 24-7 customer support, his venue never misses a beat. Call quickgranger.com or just stop by. Granger, for the ones who get it done.